Escape from Plan A. Our teams have been hard at work for years on something that is important to all of us. The future of the smartphone. The first iPhone revolutionized a decade of technology and changed the world in the process. Now, 10 years later, it is only fitting that we are here in this place, on this day, to reveal a product that will set the path for technology for the next day. All right, so uh, this is Teen. I've got Oxford with me. Oxford, how's it going, man? Hey, what's up? Uh, and Mark. Mark, what's up? How you doing, Teen? Yeah, we're, we're struggling, man. I'm struggling. It's, uh, it's freezing, and we're all in it together. This is like one of the first time we did a, a pod where it's just everyone in the New York area. But, we should uh, all get in the same room and huddle around the fire. Yeah, <laughs> huddle around the fire um, and talk uh, deep topics. Today's topic is um, fuck Apple, man. Apple and the iPhone X. The, the world will never be the same because the iPhone 10 just launched recently. That's right. It's nauseating. That's right. I mean, I I don't know. I'm not exactly an anti-Apple fanboy. You know, like, I don't I don't have it out for fanboys or anything. But. Just to disclose, I use a MacBook. I have an iPhone 7, mainly because I've always used a Galaxy. And then this time I could get a new phone because my company was going to pay for it. I figured, what the hey, I'll look on the other side. I like the iPhone. It's fine. I like Apple products, generally speaking. Wait, so what do you use now? You use a Galaxy? No, I've always used a Galaxy. My first phone was an S2, then an S3, and then now an iPhone 7. Oh, you have an iPhone 7 now. Okay, I gotcha. Yes. What about you, Mark? What do you use? Um, I was an Apple guy from, in terms of, well, in terms of phones. I've never actually had an Apple computer or anything like that. Um, I had an iPhone from like the 3G up until... The 5s oh wow so so you're not just some baseless hater you actually used iphones no i've used them yeah yeah but I, I, you know the thing is right i was never an apple fan but you know they had the best mm -hmm. smartphones and um and then after the 5s i switched to lg and now I've, i'm using a galaxy s7 edge and you teen what do you use um i've i've i, I mean I, I currently use a samsung s8 plus which is a but it's a phenomenal phone. It's very pretty. Before that, I had like an HTC One, which was like, I guess at the time, similar to this phone. Sort of like an Android flagship from Asia. But then before that, I think I, I used the iPhone 4S, which to this date remains my favorite phone. The iPhone 4S to me was a bit of perfection. So I'm not, I'm not an Apple hater. I thought the iPhone 4S was a brilliant phone. Yeah, I, I think we're all fans of... Just like their products, they're fine products. We just despise the like the religious aspect of Apple. Yes, yes. And I think that's what we want to. Actually, no. We should talk about like the iPhone 10. I personally think it's an ugly, just a mess. And if any other company had released that, it, they would get criticized to hell. Oh yeah. The thing is, since the iPhone 7, all the phones people have always apologized for something. Like for example, the the headphone jack. I personally don't think it's that big a deal. If you're not some person who always loses the, the dongle, it's not that big a deal. But there's nothing good about it. And people will say, well, despite the dongle, it's a good phone. And now it's like, despite the notch, uh, despite the fact it doesn't work in cold weather, it's just despite, despite, despite. <laughs> and at this point, you're thinking, right? why the hell are you still buying it if not for just blatant favoritism? I mean, I think as a phone, 
it's I've I've played with it. It's a fine phone. I mean, it, it feels nice. The notch is a bad like I don't like the notch. There was there were some leaks of a phone that had a notch, uh, an OLED phone that had a notch. The essential phone. The essential phone. And I remember when it first came out, like all the you know I forgot um, maybe it was the Verge or something. They were just like, oh my fucking god, you can't you got to be kidding me. Like you're gonna put out you know a phone with a notch like that that's not gonna work like that's that, that'll spell instant doom for this phone funny thing is i've not actually been able to find that article again i don't know what happened to that <laughs> uh, they they hired um it's like harvey weinstein and his ex-massad agents they hired uh, them and, and wiped it off the internet forever yeah that's right they got the wolf you know it's funny you mentioned that essential phone because if you actually look at pictures of it mm. Because it doesn't have like a face ID system, yeah. it only has that single front-facing camera in the middle, its notch is tiny. It's tiny. Yeah, it's a it's little tiny. Button. It's yeah. barely noticeable. Um, while the iPhone is like a complete tab at the it top. It reminds me of a bucktooth. It looks like a bucktooth phone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just... But you're right. You make a good point, uh, Oxford. Like after the 4S, every phone, they were making an excuse about something. Uh, it was never just, this is the phone, it's great, everyone loves it. It was just excuse after excuse. Even Steve Jobs was like, you know, they had that whole antenna gate thing where you couldn't hold it a certain way, which, like, lo and behold, is the way that most people hold their phones. <laughs> They're like, oh, you're holding it wrong. Really? Yeah, and for so long, people were saying that the three and a half inch size was was uh, the ideal and everything else was some yeah. gaudy... It's like some joke of a horrible design or whatever. And then the instant the iPhone 6 came out with the, I think that was like the 4.7 inch or something, almost 5 inch iPhone. Mm -hmm. That just completely went away. Never heard that criticism ever again. And now people are thinking, oh, when is the iPhone 10 plus coming out? It's such hypocrisy. Well, because they were, they were worried that they would be seen as uh, chasing a trend that started with Samsung right. and the, in the, in the phablet. Uh, but they did chase that trend, so, uh, and then they just mm -hmm. pretended it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, 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 and people buy it. People mm -hmm. buy it, you know. Yeah, now if you look at one of those iPhone fours, it looks so tiny. It's adorable. It, it looks like deep. a it looks like a Tamagotchi or something. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, but at the time, if when that's all you knew, it was fine. Yeah, know? but yeah, I just did less on my phone. It's like I didn't use my 4s. I see. I love the 4s because the 4s was a phone, mm. and at the time, right. I used it in conjunction with a seven-inch tab uh, tablet mm. that I use. I think it was like Google Nexus or something, and uh, the Nexus Seven. And I used that for tablet stuff. Like I would use that to do as an e-reader and mm -hmm. to browse. I would I would tether it to the phone uh, if I wanted to browse the web. I didn't really do much web browsing. It was pretty much a phone, text, you know, some map, you know, like the basic stuff. Right. I didn't use it right. as a general purpose reader slash browser tv set yeah i didn't yeah. read off of it and i gotta tell you like now you know i'm reading a lot more off the phone so the the phone's essentially changed and i still that's why the 4s still remains my favorite thing because like it was a more limited tool whereas now i'm caught in this like one size i mean i love the s8 plus it's a big you know it's much i've compared it side by side with the iphone 10 it's much bigger the screen's about the same in terms of there's not really any noticeable difference in the screen in terms of the quality of it but it's a much bigger screen on the s8 plus and it just there's a temptation to use it as a one in all device because it is more or less capable of doing everything but it just doesn't feel great like compare that to a seven inch tab uh and it, it just doesn't 
you know, it's nowhere near as good a reader. Yeah, actually, I want to I want to say this to the later, just just about how I think a lot of these devices are contributing to just a decline in like like respect for skills in general. But I think that's very dangerous when your phone becomes the primary reading device. Like we talk about, yeah, right. Um, like right. especially with Plan A, when we're doing writing, we're always talking about making things shorter. <laughs> right. Like the fewer sentences, mm-hmm. the better. In fact, why even have sentences? Just have point form, pictures. It's all. It's partially because of the phone because you can't really read long form on a phone. It's not as comfortable. No. So, but I think we should yeah. save that right, for later. Right. And to, you know. Yeah. Are you telling me you want to save the intervention for later, <laughs> and we need to talk about my my one size fits all phone habit? I, I I'd be glad. I'd be glad to because it's been it's been screwing up uh my skills oh with the you know how the uh the paradise papers <laughs> thing came out recently and like yeah. apple yeah like uh, you know infamous tax you know ta- tax, and, uh, tax. What, whatever that is teen you're the you're the like financial expert here the double dutch but it's so hypocritical i think That's how right. apple just keeps getting away with this like i think apple owes what like si- at least 60 billion dollars theoretically to the u.s had it stayed here and not been in like jersey like some tiny island in the british isles or something but they constant, Jersey, constantly Jersey, get yeah. away with it again and again. Nobody calls them out on it. And if you do, people get mad at you maybe. And it's just general hypocrisy of these so-called you know, righteous people. They'll criticize everything until it starts affecting them. And the prospect of, oh, dear God, I got to use an Android. Therefore, um, yeah, and we right. see this with something like Amazon. Amazon is clearly evil, but it's so central to our lives. So let's go criticize Walmart, right. Kmart, whatever these uh, companies that don't affect us. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mean, yeah. And and yeah. they're worse than the companies that came before. I mean, Amazon is okay. So I see where you want to where you're going with this, and I and I I really think this is an important topic that you know we're we're entering into this new phase of commerce where like yeah you have these sort of like hero companies. You know, at least right. with Walmart, right. they were dominant, but everyone knew to resist Walmart. Like McDonald's, right. it was too. a bad thing. It was a bad. It was a bad thing. thing. Like you, it, you, people right. were willing to read stuff, and you know right. the Walmartization of or McDonaldization of you know whatever. Like people, as a general matter, did not like the idea of you know corporate takeover. Yeah, it was a pejorative. But now, right. it was a pejorative, and now yeah. it's weird. Like people want they're de- like people desperately want these companies in to invade of, their yeah. lives. Yeah, like. Right. They they don't they don't. There's no um, resistance to Apple. There's no resistance to Amazon. And if you do, you're like a curmudgeon. It's weird. It wasn't right. like this before. Yeah, I tell you, if Amazon yeah, yeah. makes like the the HQ two in say Detroit, they'll be they'll be like set for at least a while as like the saviors of of like the American industry. Right. Well, def- they'll tr- definitely try to sell that story. They'll be like, we came in, we yeah, saved and Detroit. I think people will buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it. it there. I mean, there. It's well known that uh, you know Amazon is a terrible place to work, you know. But and it's interesting. I mean, both for the you know the pickers, the people that you know work, the very low paid workers that are subject to these like gamified conditions, where mm-hmm. you know you have your face mm-hmm. put up on a video screen and it's actively showing you how much you know how many orders you fulfilled, and it, you know they turn it into a video game and then. You know, if you fall below a certain point, you're just fired. The worst video game ever made. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Worst video game ever made. Well, it's it's like that movie um, Divergent, where like uh, you're put on this board, and the people who are at the bottom at the end of the stage will right. die. <laughs> like literally, it's like that. Like a dystopian. It's getting fiction. close to that. Yeah. I mean, you know, and yeah. and and straight up through even to 
in a sort of egalitarian nod, which makes me happy, is that even the um, the white collar workers in the HQs, uh, you know, there was a big New York Times story about how awful those conditions were, where they were pretty much expected to devote all their waking hours to Amazon. I mean, you can go home and do stuff, but don't pretend like you've gone home. You know what I mean? I just want to say, Mark, um, I thought that was a very funny movie reference you made to Divergent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I feel like, I feel like uh, society has collectively purged that movie franchise from our memory. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's actually not my, my uh, uh, our, our editor, uh, Eliza, uh, made that oh, okay. point. And credit to Eliza. I picked that up. But it's, it's yeah, credit to her. I mean, it, it, it's spot on. And it, you know what's funny, too, is that, you know, with Amazon and the whole thing that was going on with uh, they're taking bids from cities yeah. for their HQ2. It was and, disgusting. Which is just disgusting, but mm-hmm. you know we're and, and like and you said, teen, like this. No one used to like this stuff. Like when when um, the coal companies set up these mining towns, mm-hmm. right? Or like these companies basically met, uh, made these company towns, and you didn't actually get paid in real dollars. You got paid in like company money. Mm-hmm. Like this is something that we eradicated at because it was bad. Because mm-hmm. they basically had a de facto indentured servant class, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like you became. Uh, an employee of these places and you were just stuck there and they controlled your life forever. Yeah. Now it's like when Google and other places, you know, they, they have buses that take that only their employees can use. Mm-hmm. They have all the services at their headquarters. And then you basically go home and come back and it's like, you're just in that bubble and they sort of, it's celebrated. Yeah. And this, it, it's bizarre. I think, uh, at least just from uh, friends I have uh, who want to work at these companies. I think the, the way they recruit, they make it sound, it's never really about the work you do. It's always associating yourself with this company and its image. So they're always saying, like, oh, I want to work yeah. at Apple. I want to work at Amazon. I want to work at Google. It's never oh, because they're you know leading edge in this or that. It's just they want to associate themselves with this brand. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. I mean, I mean, on the other hand, I mean, they do do cutting edge work. It's just, it's not that the work to me isn't interesting or whatever. Because I mean, I'm sure like Amazon R&D is pretty cool to work for and Google has great you know, it's a great place to work, but there's no, like you said, there's a there's a willingness or an or a desire to associate yourself with these brands because they're they're almost like assumed to be great. Like there's just you, you know, like the New York Times, I think tried to sort of bring some questions into Amazon, right? Like yeah, yeah, and the you know there was there was a pretty horrific, uh, not horrific, but it just goes to show you how much they shake down their own workers. There was a case, a pretty famous legal case, where Amazon, in a very Uber-like move, said that uh, they were arguing that, um, you know, every employee is subject to about 30 minutes or 45 minutes of a pat-down, security pat-down every day. That's right. They're, wear- they're warehouse workers. To make sure that they aren't stealing. 45-minute pat-down? Pat-down, What yeah. are they, like frost giants? How big is their body? How do you... Yeah, because you well, because you got to wait in line. Well, they have a long oh, line okay, of employees. Right. Every employee. <laughs> no, 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 no because, because you have to wait in line. You have to wait in line. So, so they yeah. have to wait in line up to 30, 30 to 45 minutes to get their pat-down. Uh, and Amazon's right. like, that's not working. Right. You're not and working. I think the so workers sued, right? But you can't not do it. Yeah, the workers sued and said, Wait, "Are you talking about stealing small items or something like like factory secrets kind of thing?" Oh, no, like, like just items. items. In the yeah, you know, they're pickers. Oh shit, they're like warehouse. Like, so, like the mug I took from my company a few weeks ago, that would have gotten me fired at Amazon. Well, uh, you'd be working in the procurement center, so they're talking yeah. about you know actual goods sold and stuff. You know, like, right. like oh, at the okay, warehouse. Right. Oh, and okay. Amazon's just sitting here cheaping out on 45 minutes or whatever because, you know, they know that it's going to, you know, you've got to scale 45 minutes per person across all your things. And, 
you know, there's these big mega, there's these big mega profitability equations and stuff, and they're not going to fucking do it. And so there was this attempt to kind of portray Amazon as being just as, you know, ruthless a company as Walmart. And they're actually more ruthless, if you if you ask me. But I think part of it is like, you know, people know Walmart sucks because you actually have to go to Walmart, right? And that's true. Yeah, Walmart in person is a very underwhelming place. Like, the one that I used to go to, like, they would save energy. It's like a hospital. It's horrible. It's really bad. Like They're very depressing. They're very depressing. So you know it just sucks. Like, you walk in there and you're like, this is a depressing vision of the future. Like, if, if the world is turning into Walmart, I'm not for this. This this looks like an episode of, like, this looks like something from WALL-E or something. But Amazon, it's all hidden, right? You don't actually see Amazon. It's You have the website. Uh, but other than that, it just kind of shows up at your door and, and Amazon's completely invisible. And I think we project this sort of very positive image onto Amazon through their branding and commercials. And you never have to walk into an Amazon. To the mm-hmm. extent that you do, it's a very small Amazon. You know, it'll be a Whole Foods. You know, like right. they're well, very curated yeah. about like when you actually go to a physical Amazon store, what it looks and feels like. And it very much simulates an upscale brand, even though Amazon is one of the most ruthless uh, discounters of all time. It's a yep. s- wait. Amazon has commercials. Amazon, yeah. There's Alexa commercials and stuff. Yeah, you know. Oh, I get- yeah, yeah. Uh, like, does it come on TV? Is that is that where we see? Yeah, the, Ale- the Alexa, the Echo ones. Yeah, I've yeah, seen Alexa them. for sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, I just don't remember seeing them. I'm sure they're around. Yeah, they're around. And it, it, I guess what I'm just saying is like, it's it's funny we're harping on Amazon because I I guess they're a little scarier <laughs> to me than than Apple. But it is it it really is a almost like virtual brand. You've never been to an Amazon. You don't know. Nobody has any idea what an Amazon looks like. They look like the procurement centers, but you're not allowed in there. The procurement centers are probably from, you know, the reports of, you know, the the accounts of what it's like to be in one of these. I mean, they're way worse than Amazon, uh, than Walmart. I think now the question is, why do Amazon say is a good company? Well, like there are a lot of good companies. So why are people so invested in Amazon, especially Apple? And this, I think, goes to your article, Teen, about how these companies are kind of the shining, perhaps even last symbols of American greatness. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because you look at cars, Americans aren't nowhere near the top in terms of making cars. Like we hear about how China's taking over green technology. Um, So all these kind of big ticket industries have all the leaders are all elsewhere. Right. But, I mean America but, gave up on manufacturing. So like we don't we can't even say we make the most steel or all these other things. Yeah. So, so for yeah. for I think Americans, this is their I've always believed it, it's either it's always Apple and higher education. Like the like the Ivy League schools and right. those equivalent. Those are like the two brands that America still has a very dominant lead on. And even for kind of like anti nationalist leftists, they still have this investment in in the, in like these last remaining points of pride, right? And you see a lot of it. Uh, I mean, Teen, you can speak more about this because you wrote the article and you got all those comments and stuff. But yeah, there is like especially once the competition, especially because it's coming from Asia, you see these obvious tinges. Sometimes it's even more than that of nationalism, this kind of yellow yellow parallelism and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not nothing new, right? I mean, when uh, when the Japanese started um, to really put the pressure on Detroit, and it, it wasn't just market share, but it was the it was this understanding that Japanese the Toyotas were significantly better cars, and you know they had to teach us how to do things properly. And the Detroit became an example of just sort of American American being the the rabbit 
the hair uh, in that in the tortoise versus the hair, right? Like mm-hmm. we just got lazy. We got um, that was the feeling. I think it was like we got lazy and and uh, complacent. And uh, you know, Japan just kind of ate our lunch for us, and then had to had to in fact teach us how to make cars again. I think the same thing's kind of happening now, but um, with with um, with electronics, uh, specifically with smartphones. And America has always had this thing where it's like the the truth of it is harder to. I mean, it's not so clear how true it is that Apple invented the smartphone. It it created the category of the smartphone, but there were a lot of devices that came before the iPhone that were very iPhone like. Some of them from Apple itself, but some of them from you know from Palm and 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 yeah. BlackBerry on and stuff. A, on a tangent, anyone else kind of missed the days when you know how every phone now looks alike? Like oh, there's a notch. Oh, the the edges are a little curved. That's pretty same. much the They're only the distinction. Yeah. yeah. Back in the day, you had like keyboards that flipped out, like yeah. uh, slid yeah. out. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Phones that were triangles. Remember the yeah. sidekick? Yeah, the, 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 I miss those days. The uh, um, the screen would like phones. flip up from the middle. I mean, it was like it would do, do you a somersault. Every, yeah. Remember, everyone was sweating over that that switchblade matrix phone. Oh, actually, well, the thing is, I got a cell phone really late, so oh, okay. the matrix That's came right. out in ninety nine, yeah. right? Uh, but I do remember seeing that and thinking it was pretty cool. But you know, my parents would never let me have a cell phone in high school, so that was not even. <laughs> well, a, but I think people didn't even know which phone that was. They were like, "What's the Switchblade phone?" They were going, you know, was that actually was that an out real phone? Yeah, but it was, was hard it to get. Pro? It was like an Ericsson or something. Yeah, wasn't it also curved? Slightly? It was slightly curved. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It probably broke easily. That's probably why. It, I, I bet it was. A and that was that was ninety nine, right? And yeah, if you go Matrix back to 99. like ninety nine. Back then, actually. You know, people forget this, but the U.S. was like way behind Japan right. and Europe. Yeah. Europe was pretty high on that. Europe on was pretty PM. high, yeah. yeah. Um, and then NTT Docomo in uh, Japan yeah. was like light years ahead of the U.S. And that, back then, as an American, like when you went abroad to Europe, you were like, "Holy shit!" The, the everyone's got cell phones that are like so much better than ours. Um, they had they had smartphones. They weren't exactly like an iPhone, but they were pretty cool. Like in like they weren't all touchscreen, which I'm I'm not even a huge fan of the touchscreen because I I just always feel like my face is pushing buttons still, and it's just yeah. it's still kind yeah. of a clunky interface if you ask me. But yeah, the U.S. was like way behind in '99. It took a it wasn't up until I think the iPhone the iPhone and it, remember the iPhone was only an AT and T product that like yeah you, it was yeah. And, you know, that's when I think once they started getting mass, you know, smartphone adoption, uh, that's when we started investing more in like 3G data and all this stuff. But, you know, the plans were so expensive and ridiculous until the smartphone, until the iPhone. And it was really the Blackberries. Sorry. That's how behind the U.S. was. The U.S. was behind Canada. That's how (laughs) the U.S. was a complete backwater when it came to mobile. It was. It was. Um, And and honestly, you know, when I saw the iPhone, you know, was it really that amazing? I mean, it was pretty cool. I got to admit, but. Like you said, uh, there you're right. Like before the iPhone, there was a huge diversity in the kind, in the form factors and the interfaces that that you would get. And then along came the iPhone, and just became for some reason everything became you know a touchscreen phone and you know with an app model and all this stuff. So, well, that's where we are now. And I think there's a re there's a you know when you went if you look at the iPhone 10 uh, and iPhone 8. What is it called when they the Apple uh, unveils them at that little event? I, you know that has a special name. I don't know. Yeah, whatever the the unveiling or whatever. But yeah, th- you know there is a there there really feels like there's this myth of 
you know, before, you know, before Steve Jobs got up there and showed the world the iPhone, uh, we were all basically just stuck in this mobile hellhole. Like everything sucked. Right. right. We you couldn't know. make phone calls. We yeah, disconnected then, you know, from our families and friends. Steve Jobs was the <laughs> ultimate infomercial guy, you know, like he was, where, he was. where he has like people intentionally spilling coffee on their faces while they're, trying, right. you know, like that kind right, of shit. Right. Or some woman is like trying to open a, a Tupperware and then ends up spilling spaghetti sauce and then all she gets over an house. avalanche. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Dies from right, too right, much plastic. Right. Yeah, he was a living, you know, breathing infomercial and he would tell you I liken him more to a televangelist. He, there's a bit of yeah. that like the church. I think that's right? probably and then and then people are like almost crying when the the latest iPhone comes out. Yeah. Like like they w- witnessed the miracle. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. he continually yeah. does this. Like he did this even with the Apple IIe. There's a lot of people who think Steve Jobs invented What's the Apple IIe? What's that? Is that a computer? It's, yeah, th- was, that, that was computer? Apple's first hit product back in like 1977, which it was which a, put a Apple desktop the with the green screen and yeah. Yeah. And people think there's a lot of people who think that Steve Jobs invented the computer. Right. And <laughs> moronic. I mean, it's not even cl- like it's not, it's not even, it's not even close. close. Like if you really look at, you know, if like I was a double E major, I, you know, I, I know a bit about computers. Like Steve Jobs is not a significant name in like computer science. <laughs> like it's he's not. Right, he's not a computer scientist. In, We're going to yeah. talk about one of the Steves. It was Wozniak who was the. The mechanical engineering, yeah, guy. and and seriously, yeah, I'm watching a show right now. It's called Halt and Catch Fire. I mean, we, I we I talked about it uh, in, with some of the Plan A people, yeah. but like the main character there is this guy named Joe McMillan. I think I'm pretty sure he's based off of Steve Jobs. He's this guy. He's he's like 99% salesman, like 1% tech guy, mm-hmm. and like at, uh, and at first everyone kind of dismisses him because he knows nothing about computers. But as the series goes on. He's he's like this very manipulative guy, but he just has this knack for self-promotion, stabbing people in the back, yet getting them to kind of work with him again later on down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's in part based on him. I guess the the thing that Apple continuously does is create a mass cultural feeling or belief that yeah. they invented this shit. Like they invented smartphones. They invented mobile they invented computers like or or it didn't matter yeah. until they did i mean the one the the right. one that almost anybody that kind of follows apple knows they'll admit like they totally did not invent the graphical user interface they stole that from xerox mm-hmm. they stole mm-hmm. the mouse from xerox the macintosh was not the first thing but they they do a really good job of just more or less packaging that all up into a consumer product and then taking credit for it I, it, Actually, in that show, I think they make it seem as if the Macintosh had the first GUI. Oh, really? So, yeah, hmm. even in, even in that show. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's clear. Like that's very clearly on the record, not true, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think that what it is for me is uh, I, I I still feel like in a way no Apple fanboy will ever admit this. I guess the point of the article that I wrote was that you know if you just compare the phone the the current OLED phones, the flagship Android phones versus the, the iPhone 10. If you strip them down, like for the most part, Android and iOS, there's really not that big a difference. It's more a matter of preference. Yeah, I've used both. It's, I don't heavily use my phone. I just use it to mainly listen to music, surf the web yeah. and, you know, take some pictures. Yeah. So I don't really go in depth into like all these different apps, but it's not that different. It's the it's, same. It's a no, touchscreen phone with a with a tray of icons, and you'll have all the same apps. Yeah, maybe there's slightly yep. different art, uh, visual, you know, styles or whatever. But you know, the basic thing is virtually identical. 
And it's just a matter of preference. So I don't care about iOS versus Android. But if you just look at the phones as, you know, as objects uh, without branding um, and just and just look at specs. I mean, iPhone 10 is really not that spectacular. And in fact, most of the iPhone 10 is has nothing to like the screen is actually manufactured by Samsung. So if you're sitting there comparing yeah. the iPhone 10 against the Samsung S8 Plus, you're pretty much comparing a Samsung versus a Samsung. Right, because the first thing you're going to there was an article that. I read mm-hmm. about how like, like the iPhone 10 now has an OLED screen. I think for the first time in the history of the iPhone. Yeah, yeah. it's the first and OLED phone. It was, yeah, it's way yeah, late to the game. It doesn't even have way OLED. late the to the eight game. Still is on LED, yeah. LED, LCD, LCD yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah, and then how that screen is manufactured by Samsung, and then I go to yep. the comments, and there's like this such a passionate debate uh, between I guess Android fans and iPhone fans. And the Android fans are all saying, oh, this is manufactured by Samsung. Mm-hmm. And all the iPhone fans, I don't know if this is true or not. Um, I doubt they really know. I think it's just, it, I think it reflects more of why they, just more of like their own biases and why they're fans of Apple. And and the common argument is Apple designed it, Sammy, Samsung just manufactured it. No, as that's if not true. They're just, that's BS. They're just Apple like doesn't engineer automatons shit. making it. And I no. think that goes back, as I said, to the whole, the old like East-West stereotypes in which... Well, Americans but, love exactly. to think of themselves. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's demonstrably false that Apple invented anything in terms of screen technology. Samsung invented OLED technology. Well, because because it, like, it's a straight out. It's a capital intensive thing, and you know it takes a lot of you know it's not easy to come up with like OLED as a technology is straightforward, but it's the manufacturing of it that's very difficult. You know, if if you're if any if you know anything about engineering, it's like dude, it's very simple. Like there's a lot of like crazy technologies that we could have that we know would work. The problem is we can't manufacture it. We can't make it. Making it is the hard part. Right. The engineering of it. You don't have the expertise. Yeah, the technology itself, the idea of it. the OLED and this particular, you know, organic chemical right. emits a certain wavelength of light. Like, right, the right. theory is all there. It's like, how the fuck do you make the thing? Well, and the facility to, ma- to, to, to make it, that. Like, the facility the and the will and the... to go do it. Like, the will to take right. the risk to build up a huge, you know, it's like billion plus dollar investment to make a simple OLED factory. And the willingness to take that risk is significant. And there's, you know, I think what Apple is doing is basically saying, look, it's not a phone, right? Like the components, the, 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 the making of it is not as important as the design of it. And that goes to the central Mm -hmm. conceit of like the American identity that, they are the inventors, they are the innovators, and the rest of the world, whether it was like the Soviets or now the Chinese or, you know, the Japanese in the 80s, they're just kind of workers and they can, you know, they can do something very well. Like the Russians can make titanium well, but the Americans are kind of the indispensable, the most human elements in this. Yeah. Right. Like they think, came up with the idea of it, and then which I think is very dangerous if you think about it. We and they just they just trained a bunch of like you know monkeys, yellow monkeys, to just go do that shit. And so, what do they say about the iPhone? Like, it's more it's it, all of it's manufactured. Like the components are manufactured uh, mostly in Asia. The displays manufactured in Asia, and it's assembled by Foxconn, which is a Taiwanese company with operations in um in this you know South China, and so. There, you know, like you said, uh, Oxford is like the feeling that everyone is going to say is just like, look, the reason they don't make the iPhones here is because like, you know, like you pay a Chinese monkey like, you know, two bucks an hour and, you know, you make them live in a prison while they make iPhones and it's so bad that they're going to want to like, you know, they commit suicide and they jump out of buildings or whatever. Like there's just this feeling of like there's just a total disrespect for 
the work um mm-hmm. it's reduced to the only reason we don't do it is because it's so, it's so menial well, but even I do think, though, that there are people who respect that work. They say, oh, it's really hard to, to build. We respect that, but it's fundamentally like different departments. Mm-hmm. They are very invested in the idea that the Americans are the ones who are inventing everything. Uh, you see this right. in education, too. Whenever mm-hmm. like the U.S. rarely, if ever, wins science competitions or whatever, and whether it's like Finland mm-hmm. or, or China or Korea who wins this, Comments are always the same. They're like, oh, yeah, well, these guys can just memorize everything. But Americans are, are the critical thinkers. That's also, that's you know how you can tell someone's not a critical thinker when they say they're a critical thinker? That's the defense, the emotional defense. And I think especially with this yeah, very tangible yeah. feeling of America declining in almost like every aspect, this becomes, yeah. right, right. This becomes the security blanket that you, oh, you will never replace us or we will always have a place at the center of things because we're we're like the brain and we're we're the we're the thing that yeah. kind of makes yeah. humans human. Everyone else is kind of like a limb or or some mechanical thing, but we yeah. are the heart and the brain of the human race. Yeah, and I think that there's a li- linear aspect to this that is I think part of the anxiety that's uh, happening in America is the the loss of this belief of like a sort of linear progression where you know, we were, I think the feeling for a long time, especially after the Soviet Union just fucking went to shit, was that America was on the right path. And more or less, like, if you were to get wealthy and free, then you would basically have to be, you would just have to follow the United States, which means we're always ahead. I think that's the fundamental ideology mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. around American exceptionalism is that, you know, the U.S. is always ahead. And everyone else is just following us. And we're going to believe in that regardless of, you know, history. And, you know, even with something small, like, well, it's not small. It's pretty fucking big, you know, huge uh, technology. But, like, even with something like mobile tech, people very quickly forget how behind the United States was up until it caught up around the time that the iPhone started becoming like a mass device and Americans actually wanted this shit. I mean, for the longest time, they had a very hard time convincing Americans that they even wanted this stuff. Whereas, you know, um, in Japan, they were like rapidly moving stuff onto mobile web. And I remember at the time there were these like if you read tech press, people were like, holy crap, I went to Tokyo and the stuff they're doing with mobile is unbelievable. Um, And Americans, they, they were like, how come we can't sell this stuff to Americans? So I think well they didn't also have the network like you couldn't even get yeah, they cell still signals. they still don't have the network it's like the infrastructure wasn't built up yeah. to support any sort of smartphone or yeah my building doesn't anything. have files it yeah. probably will never get it then <laughs> my building's so old uh, just today my the, you know in the toilet the handle and the lever and the chain and all that the lever broke because it was so rusted yeah oh and I have a ma- I have my stove it lights with a match you have to think of it now as like we're living in we're living. In, as living in New York, it's kind of like we're living in the old world now. And all these things are just sort of like old world charms. You can't think of it like my apartment's <laughs> so old and crappy. You got to think of it like, oh, it's so charming. Yeah. Still- it's got character. Yeah, it's got character. You know, that's, that's how yeah. that's how I cope. Yeah, <laughs> that's how you cope. <laughs> I think we just got to get know, used to the idea of the U.S. being like this kind of old, kind of decrepit yet charming. Place. We're going to turn. Like we're we're going to. Yeah, we're like the. We're becoming Europe. Like Spain. What- I guess we're like Spain. <laughs> right, we're becoming like Italy. Like, what, oh, yeah. <laughs> what are, I think so. What are we becoming? Like, you know, it's but you know, they get back to to Apple and everything. It's just when you know, if you 
before with their um, announcement, right? The the last announcement where they announced the iPhone eight and the iPhone ten. Um, it, they want they're trying to go beyond just being a technology company, and I think they've been doing this for a long time, and that's partly why their fans are so um, rabid, is that it's not just that you know you buy your phone from them, is that your identity is wrapped up in their success, mm-hmm. and they're trying to uh, and they they've latched on to you know the how, how America goes, Apple goes, or how is Apple goes, America goes, and and in Part of their um, representation was that how they want to turn Apple stores into these like town, town centers, halls, version town two centers, town halls. Yeah, like town hall version two point mm-hmm. yeah. right? Where you know you wouldn't go to um, your neighborhood park to you know to do something. You go to your neighborhood library. You're gonna go to the the, the <laughs> Apple, Apple store, store. Yeah. to you know yeah. to hang out with your friends and maybe buy a little you know tchotchke mm-hmm. for like fifty bucks and get you know indoctrinated through a class they're gonna give you. Uh, and then go home and then you're going to come back the next day and do it. And, you know, every time you go, it's a chance that they're going to get some money out of you. Sure. Yeah. As a personal anecdote, I do kind of get the like more than a company, like lifestyle thing as an example. So my I had a, a MacBook that I got in 2010. Um, I was still using it this year, but it, it was on its last legs. It was like randomly restarting whenever. And much like how I wanted to try out iPhone because I'd always use Galaxy, because I'd used a MacBook for so long, I wanted to try a Windows PC. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Windows PCs are really good now. So I bought one. I bought this HP Spectre X360. It was really cool, but mainly I I, had, I switched back to a MacBook because the trackpad wasn't so hot. But as soon as I load up the operating system and I see that Windows 10, I'm just reminded of kind of like the last seven years I've, I've seen the OS 10 layout and all the things I've done since in in that time between and and i just i just missed that look and windows 10 reminds me of work which is also not a good thing that's a huge <laughs> thing yeah it feels like work i associated like os 10 with just kind of like like the last seven years especially like a lot of the writing that i've done and and i've learned to do in that time that's what i've associated it with and that was like like to be honest that's one of the reasons why i switch back to the macbook so i guess i don't understand that because i don't have an attachment to my operating system in yeah. that way at all. i guess yeah like, we should at least wait until you can fall in love with the operating system like in her like we should we should hold out for at least right. that yeah I, I don't know i mean i i guess I, I i i get that a lot of people feel that way um and i guess part of my pc and windows um loyalty is because i just hate apple and apple fanboys so much but you used an iphone for a while what what made you suddenly change because the um the interface was slow on the iphone everything yeah like my phone was just dying and it was like i had it for a year and like it's getting terrible the the the, the battery isn't holding a charge i updated you know you update your ios and now the, the phone works like shit and i looked at the iphone 6 i'm like this is there's nothing here that's exciting me at all there's no feature there's no spec there's nothing about it that excites me that I want to drop, you know, however much money it was um, on that. I'm like, you know what? People have been saying like, you know, the Android phones are good and LG and Samsung make some great phones. And I tried it out and I'm like, this is great. And I saw other people with it. And, you know, the LG phone, you could tap the phone, the screen, and it would wake up. I'm like, that's cool. Like, I want to just tap it. I don't have to swipe. I don't have to do anything. Um, so there's just things about it. And then I, I got it. And I, that was it. I got this phone has a better camera, the better screen. It's bigger. I will never look back. 
Yeah, I mean, objectively speaking, the S8 is like a work of art compared to the iPhone 10. It's it's a beautiful phone. It, I it love is, this it's phone. Incredible. Yeah. The, like the iPhone 10, you get rid of the notch, and you told me it's like a Hawaii. How do you pronounce it? Like Huawei phone or an LG phone? I would believe it. It just looks exactly like everything else. Right. And in fact, this is this is how disgusting iPhone Apple fanboys can be. They agree. I've seen. I've read reviews where they agree the notch is visually artistically bad from an art point of view mm-hmm. but it's good because it lets people know it's an iphone and that's the value yeah and i think the, the fascinating honest. thing that's pretty honest i did like the honesty of the review yeah. mm-hmm. it was on like gizmodo or something yeah and what fascinates me with the iphone is you get to see like in real time like the human cognitive dissonance slash just like prejudice at work in which the like the iphone is not good because of the notch the notch is good because of the iPhone. Absolutely. That's and absolutely think, what it and is. And you think about this in life, especially with just like social prejudices of all kind. Like the message you get is always like, I don't know, let's take a like racism, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, let, let's take something well, like, yeah. uh, like well, physical features. Like why do we like blue eyes? Um, and then we're, we're kind of fed this idea that it's inherently beautiful, but just as likely, probably more likely is that it's, only value because it's associated with the dominant social group, which is white people. So then you, you, you're chasing the wrong thing. It's a rigged game. You can't win. Like if say like yeah. Samsung came out next year and it's like, oh, everyone likes the notch. Why don't we just like make a bigger, better, more beautiful notch? You, it, yeah. you can never win. Wrong idea. you are not the That's iPhone. The, wrong, the only yeah. way you can win is yeah. you become an iPhone, which you can never be. Therefore, you have no chance of winning. But it feels like you can if you just, just do this thing. Well, I, and I'm getting the sense from Samsung that they're not going to do that. Right. I don't think they're going to make that mistake. Like, please don't do that. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, with the way that they've gone with the S8 Plus and the Note, they're just like, th- these are, they're like, this is our style. This is what we're doing. And I don't feel like they're going to chase Apple anymore. We'll see, obviously, what they do. But, you know, that, you know, where people are saying, well, I, I like the notch because it's Apple. And they're just, you know, they're very honest. It's because it's their team now. Mm-hmm. And we see that like tribalism and that playing on the same team. And I, I want my team to win. Mm-hmm more than I want to be right or be on the right, you know, moral or anything like that. Like I, as long as the other team doesn't win and my team wins, they're happy with it. Uh, and you know, it, it goes back like Roy Moore with politics, right? So Roy Moore, Roy Moore has these um, allegations that he's a pedophile. Oh, that and, is so it's right. And, and, and some reporters have gone and asked, you know, people who are supporters, not just like regular people on the street, but elected officials. Uh, and they're like, you know, so, would you not vote for him? And they're like, no, we'll still vote for him because they care more about the Republicans winning and the Democrats losing than they do that they're supporting a pedophile. Wow, it's it suddenly got dark. <laughs> so obviously, you know, with Apple and stuff, that's not, it's not as serious as no, that. No, it's a, it's it's a pedophone is what you're saying. I, I, is that what I'm <laughs> Every, Okay, according to Mark, everyone who uses an iPhone is a pedophile. <laughs> it's a similar phenomenon, right? Right, right. Apple lovers are pedophiles. Um, Pulling it back a bit, I want to get uh, get back to the point that I sort of brought up earlier about uh, so uh, so a lot of these new iPhones and uh, probably the other Android phones they have something called portrait mode, which is yeah it's like fake bokeh, which in which it Mm -hmm. simulates a very shallow depth of field, Mm -hmm. which you then you get the blurry Mm -hmm. background and the very uh, focused foreground. Yeah, and for some reason it's always it's always pissed me off. I'm not. I'm not a <laughs> photography snob. I'm not good at photography. I'm not. I'm not these people who you know puts up a ton of pictures on Instagram. But just this idea of just more shortcuts in in right. 
is just and then you hear about like a lot of these camera companies struggling um even the ones that make very high-end dslr cameras things like that and as i said uh if the phone becomes say the dominant reading device oh my god like what's gonna happen to novels what's gonna happen to long-form articles this is um eroding respect for people who take time to learn things Mm -hmm. and become good at them this is just my frank opinion i think in this regard some elitism is good like if you are good at something and you've dedicated a lot of time to it you do and and this this also has to do with making a living i I heard like a lot of photographers like say like wedding photographers and all that they're they're having a hard time because everyone's just there you can get portrait mode on on your fucking iphone 10 so why hire why hire anyone to do it or if you're going to hire them demand that they do it for like five bucks an hour and you see this with the um with uh the the two publications in new york that just got shut down mm-hmm. um yeah what, yeah what, gothamist and uh, DNA one? info it's, it's we just don't value this stuff anymore and and i i think it, it leads to a very dangerous culture in which like everyone expects everything for free but we demand high quality and nobody can make a living doing these they're not like super essential they're not you know saving lives but they're very they're still very valuable to a good society. And Absolutely. L- unless you're super wealthy and super connected, no one's going to be able to do do it. Yeah. Wait, are you defending Gothamist? <laughs> no, Doug, I, I don't, I've never read them. I don't, I don't know what the, they're terrible. They're doing. I don't, I, I yeah, don't miss them all. at all. I, I know they're somehow related to Shanghaiist. Oh my God. That it's was the same. Shanghaiist is just an it's open network. I, which I fucking so, despise. Yeah. Shanghai, any, any cityist yeah. is that same it network, is, yeah. but Shanghaiist is just a straight up, fucking like chinese china dog eaters it's china dog eaters that it's like one step removed from from like the alt-right i bet but just just the spirit of it of these online publications being unable to sustain themselves until the only thing left is fox news or wh- whoever a billionaire wants to support is the only thing left and where there are like no jobs there's this um but 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 i don't agree with you i think on the other hand there's you see this explosion of sort of online publications but but like us we're all doing it for free though if we didn't have our day jobs we'd be starving yeah but and... some of them i mean maybe may find because because i think problem one part of the problem with the new york times is like do, do you really need journalists to go buy like a you know a one billion dollar tower in midtown manhattan like do do they really need that or could you know can journalists kind of work in a sort of like less in capital intensive environment and there's some great there you know there are some great online publications now and the, the diversity of them is good i mean i, I think in some way i don't uh, mind the democratization of access to uh publication and 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 uh image making and all this stuff i mean the fake bokeh stuff is distasteful <laughs> you know <laughs> no i agree to an extent but uh, so there's this book i read it's called culture crash yeah. and in it the author talks about how in the olden, well, I don't want to say the olden days. We're not talking about like the 1920s or anything. But it, like, even as the like the 1990s, you you know, like those Kevin Smith movies where you got the kind of like slackers mm-hmm. working in the record stores and and they'd have a band at night and stuff like that. That was its own economy that allowed these people to, you know, make a living doing what they liked without necessarily having to become a global superstar. I see. Yeah. But now. Mm-hmm. But now, since those industries have all been decimated, yeah. like, like it's, it's kind of like all or nothing. You you can't be. It just the. I know. Like, I see what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It's, it's yeah. ruined. Yeah. I mean, we don't have this sort of like guild era anymore, right. where right. you know the sort of the 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 exclusivity of certain technologies kind of created this formation of a guild class. Those with access to the technology and the skills were able to sort of keep the price of that intermediate access to those technologies for money. 
But, you know, I think we're, I think we're in this sort of intermediate stage where you're right. Everyone has techn- access to the technology. And so the price of it has gone way down. But I think this is like a glo- like this is a sort of broadly strange like it's a broad paradox, which is the the more the cheaper and more like universal things become like, you know, everyone's complaining about automation and all this stuff like, oh, robots are going to eat or take our jobs. But if you really kind of like step back for a sec, it's like, look, everybody has access to all this great technology and robots are making stuff for us like we don't need people to make that shit anymore. There's, it's doing all our work for us. Like, it should be like this utopia, right? Like, it should be great. It should free us up to go do whatever the hell we want to do. Like, you you, you say, like, people, sh- you know, like, oh, we can't make a living doing this stuff anymore. But I think, the like, we're in this intermediate stage where everyone still has to, like, worry about that. But maybe what we need to push for is, um, let like, if everything's so great, if we have all this great technology, then maybe we should stop thinking so much about everyone's got to go make a living like maybe we should just no exactly no that is a interesting point which is i don't know too much about universal mm-hmm. basic income but i was gonna that go. is I was gonna a that. fascinating idea where what if we don't need jobs because oh you talk to a politician you're always like jobs 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 but like, nobody really wants jobs what they really want is just a way to sustain their lives mm-hmm. right jobs for the past i don't know few hundred years maybe have been the primary way to do that but Historically, it's not been the case, right? Uh, people would, their job was to, you know, grow food so they could live. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> um, but this idea that you need to work possibly a pointless job just so you can make money and get health care uh, so you can do what you really want or just, you know, live in the city you want or raise a family. That's fairly new. And it's not like necessary to to our society. Well, I think our society is built a, is built around that concept of jobs. Um, working a job every day and getting money so you can buy food and there's a whole i think society has sort of shaped itself around that yeah but that's dependent on the idea that those jobs are necessary which which they're totally not let's be let's let's be honest like but now we're at the point where it may not be the case anymore most jobs are not necessary well it's not even about the jobs being necessary it's just that it was necessary to have a job to get the necessities yeah, exactly now I, I now and now tina you may, you know i think we are in a um transitional per- mm-hmm. period right it's going to take some time we're not quite to the point where we can just not make any money right unless you're you know inherit money mm-hmm. or something like that so we are in a transition and i don't know where it's going to yeah, go yeah maybe in a hundred years um, somebody will have invented an app where you can just grow food just by clicking a button <laughs> but in the meantime people in our time are kind of screwed yeah. because we're not we're not going to live to well, see yeah, that day so just, but that's how our food, but that's already how our food gets grown it's not like there, I mean, for the most part, yeah. it's not like, you know, armies of people going out and picking. It's like these, it's these, have you seen them? They're like these GPS coordinated, you know, these, these uh, GPS coordinated yeah, yeah. Uh, farm, uh, farm, farm tractors with, with these huge harvesting engines, the thresher machines. There's no, if you, there's nobody in them, right? So they talk about autonomous vehicles, like all our farm vehicles are not actually, there's nobody in them. It's literally automated farming. If we could somehow find a way to miniaturize them so that every household can have their little personal farm in their studio apartment, then nobody would the the need for work might be lessened because you can just eat without having to make money. No, I think what's going to happen is that Amazon's going to just sort of fly your lunch to you through your window. It'll be like uh, Fifth Element, you know, where like he he gets a, like the mm-hmm, Chinese mm-hmm. Uh, spaceship 
Wait, rolls but, up to his window and he just buys some yeah. noodles like right out of his window. It'll be like that. But why why would Amazon do that for you for free? Um, because the government is subsidizing it. So the government or, or wait or the government or Amazon is them. the government. Or, yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, Amazon that's where is the it will go to right because Amazon and those companies will be you know basically indispensable yep. because they're giving us things that we need to survive as a biological. Imagine entity, right. We have to imagine eat. like a neo feudal society in which Amazon provides everything for us. So long as when they when necessary, we go on a crusade for them against like Alibaba or whatever their competitor is. Right. It's not so far fetched. I, I think I mean, I, I do think it's interesting that you asked the question of why would they do this? Right. Um, fascinating. I mean, it's funny how like the iPhone 10 can lead to a conversation like this. But I, this is the conversation I prefer to have. Which is that I think when people say like, well, why, what are the incentives like in the future? Like, why will we do things if, if all the robots are just doing all the work for us? I think we have to sort of like reassess um, the questions of incentives. You know, yeah. we were so used yeah. to doing things because we have to, uh, that there is this mm -hmm. assumption that if we didn't, if we had all our needs taken care of, we literally would turn into, it was in that movie. I think Wally was a good example. Like we would just turn into these like fat schlubs that would sit in a floating chair and and we would just turn into these disgusting sloths. You know, I question that. I, I, I don't think my dream is to be that. Yeah. Like, you know, and I and everyone thinks in a way, I think everyone kind of believes they're exceptional because they're the one that wouldn't be a sloth if everything were taken care of. But we're scared that the rest of society would become that way. And if you're an American, there's kind of like valid reasons to think that, you know. Um, but, <laughs> I you know, I just don't think that my dream is... You know, I wish the government would give me enough just to, like, have my basic needs taken care of. And so that I could basically sit on a couch and drink lemonade and watch pornography, right? Like, that is not my dream. Right. Where I think, on the other hand, if I was a more cynical fellow, and I think most Amer my I think most of my fellow Americans are a bit cynical, is the worry that that's your neighbor. Your neighbor is going to turn into that. I'm I'm special, but everyone else is going to turn into a fat schlub. So we got to keep working. No, no. Just, my my worry is if you don't have a way to earn some kind of valuable commodity that you can exchange for the things you need, are, are we going to reply on? Are we going to rely on like Emperor Bezos to supply us with everything we need? I'm not sure how we get these. Things. He's just a distributor, though. He doesn't create anything. Bezos just distributes. So but, the why would mm -hmm. also oh, you're saying that people will still make things because they want to do it, and because we have to. I mean, there's some things that we just got to do. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we just there's something like we just need food, right? Like we're 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 not just gonna sit around and starve to death. So we we need people to go do food. Like, does that mean we have to pay them? Yeah, probably. But like, you know, uh, I I guess the I guess the thing is just like, does everybody have to have some kind of profit? motive to do the things that they do um, but farming's not fun though someone has to well that's the whole point is that we have these robots to do so much of it now so the question is like what happens in the future when this shit is just like super easy which it already kind of is right well i mean they've done experiments with basic mm -hmm. incomes in various places and i don't, I don't think they, there are many that have been done uh in the united states uh, but they've been done they've been doing them in europe and in other places and people just continue to do things right they don't necessarily go to work like they don't go to the uh, fast food joint to work anymore because they're like i, I don't want to do that but they produce things they you know whatever it is they want to do they'll go do it people just don't stay at home they don't just buy drugs there was an experiment like, in uh wasn't it in was it in africa the one you're talking about? well there's one there um but like they they've done them they basically uh, just helicoptered money out they just yeah, gave so people that, money, that particular right? one and i think 
uh, has been the most successful is that they don't actually give them cash. So uh, there's this economy around cell phone minutes, which is a sort of a, a, a funny economy. But um, so they load yeah, these. Their, their economy is based on cigarettes, so I can believe that. Yeah, well, it's cell phone minutes. So like they, they upload the, the minutes onto their phone and then uh, they can go to a place in a, a larger village or city and go to a guy who exchanges those minutes into the paper currency. I forget which country it is and what the currency is, but they can get that. Uh, and then they don't have to do anything to get those minutes. Um, but people have started their own businesses. Uh, these two sisters started their own bank. Um, so like people go ahead and do things, right? Like they don't just sit there. So, you know, I, I get that. I understand what you're saying, Teen, about people are, are cynical about what their neighbors might do. And there's certainly going to be a small percentage of uh, people who just live off of whatever that base level of uh, living is. But the vast majority of people will continue to do things and produce things of value. There have been experiments. People just don't think about it. They, they've done it and people just continue to do their <laughs> to do things. It's shocking that we're so yeah, scared of like, ourselves. Really? Um, like we're so scared of human nature that that's what I'm looking out for these days. It's just like when I when I like watch a movie or like read a book, it's like what 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 sort of basic assumptions about people is it bringing? And I'm starting to see like a lot of, uh, you know, there, there definitely does seem to be a shift where I think people are trying to re get rid of that whole like, you know, like we came from just these brutal mm -hmm. cavemen who 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 would just as soon kill anyone first and you know kill first ask right. questions later kind of thing to just sort of like a more like why did we evolve to have the capacity to like form communities and have friends and not kill each other where our sort of belief about history is like 99% of history was just people killing each other by clubbing each other in the head that that I think is why we're so scared like that's why I think we think people need to have yeah. jobs like if you don't have a job you're going to turn into like you're going to go feral like a pig and right. we'll just have feral my point yeah and my point is is that we've done the experiments and we don't do that <laughs> like we can't but you know I don't I, yeah. I miss we, we, we don't that? go feral yeah no we don't go feral just because we no, have all and, our needs taken you know I'm, I'm a cynical guy <laughs> you know that you know I believe yeah, in the exactly. experiments in science I believe in what was seen and we don't just yeah sit at home on the couch like people go out and do stuff because right. they want to do it how this is connected to the iphone 10 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i mean we are i guess approaching the hour i think the big yeah. moral of this is as mark said if you use an iphone you're as bad as roy moore <laughs> <laughs> pedophone pedophone 10. Well, you make excuses <laughs> all right that, that said it's no, really not it's a fine. bad phone. Just not worth. <laughs> get the get the S8 Plus for a couple hundred bucks less.